Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland. We take timeless biblical truth and help you to apply it in the context of your daily life. If you'd like to join us live at one of our campuses or stream one of our services online, go to peavine.org for times, locations, and more information. It's a blessing to be at Peavine Baptist today. I know you uh, know how awesome your pastor is, but I just want to speak as a longtime friend of Pastor Joel. Uh, I'm thankful for what he does in leading this church. And by the way, you may or may not know this. Uh, this church has talked about throughout our state. I'm sure other states too. In fact, the uh, cookie crumble y'all gave, uh, I, I knew about that right after y'all did it because we, we try to lead churches to reach their neighborhoods and their communities. And, uh, but Joel, I, I'm thankful for him, not only that he leads so well and amazing here, but I'm thankful that y'all allow him to invest in other pastors, not only in this state, but across the Southern Baptist Convention. It makes a huge difference, especially I've been with him where he's talked about some things y'all are doing. I've just seen young pastors, and they can be any age, but especially young pastors just, just can't take notes quick enough on all that God's doing here. So sometimes you can become so used to quality that you forget not every church is on mission quite as fervently and as excitable as you guys are. Well, uh, I want to talk about a verse today that in some ways sums up exactly what God wants to do in the life of the disciple. Uh, that we're to trust in God. It's impossible to do anything in the Christian life apart from faith. And that when you begin to trust God, it leads to a new way of living and a new way of acting, a new way of doing things. And uh, the verse is found in Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, it's verse 13. It's, it's the verse that most of us could quote. And if you don't know the chapter and verse, uh, you've heard the verse. In fact, it's such a famous verse, it's often misquoted. I see it on T-shirts and coffee cups. I hear people quote it uh, often out of content. Apostle Paul says this, it, 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 and by the way, it, it, my personal notes, I put this down. It's a bodacious verse. It, it, it's almost unbelievable. If it wasn't in Scripture, I wouldn't preach it because... It, it, it just seems so bodacious and audacious that somebody would stand up and actually say this. Paul says in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Uh, there's a boundless optimism in that. Now think about it. Uh, someone uh, joins a church next Sunday and they have this mindset. And we ask them, you think you can tithe? Can do. Think you can tell people about Jesus, can do. Think you could be a prayer warrior, can do. Is there anything you can't do? And Paul would say, whatever God wants me to do, I can do all things. But he puts it in the proper perspective, I can do all things in Christ. Here's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying that as a Christian, there is no demand made on my life that ultimately is not a demand made upon the living Lord Jesus who lives and reigns in me. Now, uh, unless we understand this, and this is not just the only verse that teaches this, it's just one of the most eloquent verses. It's taught all through Scripture. And what's, what's taught through Scripture is it's impossible 
to do anything spiritual in your own strength. You can't even save yourself by yourself. It's all of faith. It's all based on what Jesus has done. It's impossible to serve God without resting upon the power that he puts in you. And so if we don't know that, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to face decisions and I'm going to immediately tell you my response based on my resources, my wisdom, uh, the volunteers who might would help me, the size of the church and so on. And what God says is, no, you just need to make sure that I'm the one telling you to do something. So all through Scripture, we find can-do people. In fact, uh, whoever is your favorite spiritual hero outside of Jesus has this verse, whether they knew it or not at the time, as the foundational truth. Uh, Abraham, your wife is past the age of having children. Can I give you a child through Sarah and your descendants outnumber the stars in the sky? Abraham says, can do. Uh, no, I'm going to send the flood. Uh, you think you could build an ark and uh, your family would be saved and spare and the earth will be populated again? Can do. Ezekiel, could I put you in a valley of dry bones and you preach and revival come? Can do. Daniel, you can pray when everything's easy. Could you pray in the, in the lion's den? Can do. Hey, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you can serve me when the culture says it's okay, but what if they decide to throw you in a fiery furnace? What are you going to say? Can do. Line me up. Moses, you think I could part the Red Sea? Can do. And all through Scripture, you're going to discover that the spiritual heroes are people like a David, can you fight Goliath, can do. And if you read that story, that's 1 Samuel 17. Daniel says basically what Paul says, but he says it in a different way. He says this. Everybody's worried that he can't do what God wants him to do. And he says this. You misunderstand, I paraphrase, you misunderstand the situation. It's not me doing it. Now, humanly speaking, he went out to fight the giant. Humanly speaking, he, he threw the slingshot. Humanly speaking, he had the sand before Goliath. But he said, you misunderstand the situation. The battle isn't mine. The battle is the Lord's. And think about this. How would that change your Monday morning tomorrow? How would it change your week if you literally believed whatever God assigns me to do, Whatever situation God brings me into, it is not a demand on me. It is ultimately a demand on the resurrected living Jesus who lives and reigns through me. I'll give you an example. Uh, I think your pastor's been preaching through uh, Colossians. There's a verse in Colossians that says, As you have received Jesus, so walk in him. I don't know if you've ever thought about this. We don't use that phrase. You, you might use a phrase that says, I'm going to walk with Steve. I'm going to walk beside Steve. You might even not like me say, I'm going to walk over Steve. But you would probably never say, I'm going to walk in Steve. And, and, and Paul is really illustrating again that as we live the Christian life, we live the Christian life because we're living in the strength of Jesus. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Everything that Christ puts me in. In fact, he's in prison. He's in a Roman prison writing an epistle. He would write four of them, the prison epistles. He's writing to a church that he planted in Philippi, and 
He's writing a letter to cheer them up. He's writing an encouraging letter. How can you write an encouraging letter in the type of prison he was in over 2,000 years ago? He says, I can do it because it doesn't matter where I am or the situation or circumstances. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Now, here's the question. I don't think any of us would doubt that the spiritual heroes of the Bible were people who trusted God. The question is, how can I trust God? The question is, what would you need to do to trust God? Let me tell you three or four things. And if you're taking notes, let me say this about this message. Uh, if you take notes, you're going to have to take number one, number two, number three. And as I speak this, I have no other way to share it except to say one, two, three. But it's not in that order. Uh, it's more of a cycle. And so if I'm going to be a person who no matter what God brings me into, my response is an optimistic yes. And that's what Paul's doing. He's saying yes to God. Whatever you want me to do, Lord, the, the, the question is always, is this God's will for my life? And Lord, if it's your will for my life, I say yes. I say I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can do it. Then what I'm going to have to do is I'm going to have to uh, live this cycle. I'm going to sometimes be, be on the first thing I'm going to tell you, and sometimes I go from the first thing to the fourth thing, from the fourth thing to the second thing, and sometimes I'm doing them simultaneously. But if I'm going to be a Christian who just has that, that optimism, Henry Blackaby, who wrote Experiencing God, said one of the greatest sins a Christian can have is to be a pessimist. Because if you believe God, you believe ultimately we're in heaven, there's no evil, and God wins. And so Paul is saying, I can do all things to Christ. And let me tell you three or four things you ought to do. Number one, you have to fess up. Fess up. Have to fess up. Now, that's a real word, by the way. It's from the word confession. It's in the dictionary. Fess up. And confession biblically just means to agree with God, which is humbling whenever I study this message because I think, Lord, Sometimes you, you have to allow me to go through some pretty tough situations where I finally agree with you because that's all confess, confession is. If you're bitter, sometimes it's easy to say, well, you'd be bitter too if you had this and this happen. Or I have a right to be angry. I have a right to seek revenge. Confession is saying, no, I have no right to be bitter. No, I have no right to seek revenge. No, I have no right to have that kind of anger. Uh, to agree with God. And when you fess up, there's two areas you fess up in. First of all, I fess up about myself. And when I fess up about myself, I do some of what I just said. Uh, sometimes I fess up and I have to tell God, Lord, uh, I've done something I shouldn't have done. And you just fill the blank in. Uh, for example, Lord, I, I said something I shouldn't have said and I realized it was wrong. And I confess it, Lord. Uh, it's sin. As you mature in the faith, sometimes it's not what you've done. Sometimes it's what you did, didn't do. Lord, I know you've been leading me to witness to people, and I just, I've been saying no, and I confess that when I know things that I ought to be doing, and you tell me to do, and I don't do those things, that's sin. And most of us as Baptists get that, hey, we confess sin. There's something else you confess that we don't talk about much. I confess who God says I am as a Christian. And who God says I am is unbelievable. For example, God says to the Christian, you're more than a conqueror. I, I would never use that phrase. 
Because in my mind, I'm thinking, no, you can't, you're not more than a conqueror. You're either a conqueror or you're not. No, God says, no, you're not just a conqueror. You are more than a conqueror. So sometimes when I'm feeling defeated, I begin to get on my knees and pray. And I just simply fess up, Lord, I'm not going to live based on my circumstances. Lord, I'm not going to live just because I'm in a Roman dungeon in discouragement and depression. I'm going to fess up. Uh, if you read all of Philippians, by the way, in the first chapter, you know what Paul says? Paul says, I mean, early in the first chapter, verse 6 of the first chapter, he says, He who has begun a good work in you will complete it. That's a great confession when you're in a Roman prison, not, not sure if you're going to get out or not. Ultimately, he would not get out. We think this is his first Roman imprisonment. Ultimately, he would be executed. And what he's saying is, it doesn't matter what I see physically. You cannot stop God. He's correct. We're worshiping all over a nation today that uh, nobody was worshiping in when Paul wrote this over 2,000 years ago. Uh, and so I fess up to all that God wants to be. For example, I make a confession. Hey, the situation may seem bad, but Lord, I'm, I fess up. He who lives in me is greater than he who lives in the world. I'll give you one more, and, and they're all through Scripture. And this covers everything. God works all things together for good to those who love him, to those who are called according to his purpose. I mean, well, that, that sums it up. In other words, I may not see how God's going to get glory from this. I may not see how this uh, expands the kingdom. I may not understand everything, but I'm going to fess up and agree with God that he has a unique way of doing what only he can do. And so to understand Paul, understand this, we're all excited about something and so maybe you're excited about football, maybe you're excited about golf, maybe you're excited about fishing, maybe you're excited about shopping. Paul was excited about Jesus. And just like some of us, and I'm one of them, can't wait for college football to start, nothing wrong with hobbies. Paul was on the edge of his seat. He just, he just pursued Jesus. He just kept on getting excited about Jesus. He just kept getting excited about all that God could do. And so even in a prison... And Rome, he could write a book that's known as the Book of Joy. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. He just kept encouraging uh, this congregation to be all that God wanted them to be. And, and when they were discouraged about his situation, he said, I want you to know that it may look bad, but this is feathering the gospel. God is using this to get the gospel out. And so we fess up. Uh, a second thing is this. We not only fess up, we have to show up. And so remember, it's a cycle. So I'm always fessing up. I'm always fessing up. I'm either fessing up about a sin that I've committed or something that I should have done that I didn't do. And I'm always fessing up about Jesus. And, and I, by the way, I include that in my personal prayer time every morning. I, it's an intentionality. It's on my list. It's just something that I do not want to miss I make sure there's a time where I'm fessing up about, Lord, you're great. And I just, whatever comes to my mind through this word about the goodness and greatness, Lord, you're holy, you're mighty. So I'm fessing up. But then I'm going to show up. You say, what do you mean show up? You show up to your appointed place. Uh, reason you've got staff here, because sometime in the past, God dealt with them about serving in a specific way. And that's why they're serving. The reason Joe was pastoring here, because in his past, he was in business and God 
reached down and said, no, I, I don't want you just to do what you're doing. I want you to be a pastor. And so that's why he is serving. The, the reason some people serve as digs, the reason uh, we were led in worship before the throne in such a mighty way a while ago is because there's some folks who were on this platform showing up to the place God's calling call them to. By the way, in all my years of ministry, I've been preaching since I was 19, I've never done what they've done. Never. I, I've never ever in my life has anybody ever come up to me? I mean, that's a long time. I'm getting old. And I, as 19 years old, no one's ever come to me and said, would you do the solo today? And you don't want me to. 1 Peter 4.10 says this. Each one has a gift. And by the way, we ought to fess that up too. Isn't that awesome? You mean God not only saved me and kept me from hell, he gave me a gift. Well, he gave you at least one. You may have more than one, but you got at least one. Each one has a gift. Use it as a good steward to exhibit the grace of God. And so you show up, whatever he's called you to do, and some of us have more than one thing we do, uh, but whatever he's called you to do, you, you show up, you, you do what God wants you to do, and that's a life that's built on commitment. Uh, the reason Paul could keep pressing on, because think about it, it'd be real easy to be in a prison of his day and to think this, well, Lord, I've not done anything wrong. Lord, I'm here because I'm preaching. In fact, Lord, before I met you on the Damascus Road, I wasn't having any problems. I wasn't in prison like this. I wasn't being stripped of any of my rights. Be easy to give up, give up except he built his life on commitment. And commitment goes where it's got to go. It does what it's got to do. It pays what it's got to pay. Commitment is the steam that makes the dream of God fulfilled our life he was committed to be what God wanted him to be and so even in prison he didn't say well I'm gonna rest a while uh, well I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna just kind of take it easy he looked for opportunities to minister to people he looked for opportunities to write some like Philippians he looked for opportunities to encourage other Christians so we fess up but we show up so let me ask you are you showing up it seemed like a simple verse, but I'm going to tell you something. It, it, Joel comes back, and he's preaching. And every so often when he preaches and stuff, amen, y'all say, can do. He's probably going to have a heart attack. I mean, if everybody who was brought before God, the throne of God, and said yes to God, Lord, You've called me, and whatever that means in your life, you've called me to work in children. You've called me to do you've called me to do this. You've called me to do that. If you said, I can do it, would it not revolutionize this church? It'd revolutionize any church. As great as your church is, it would be amazing how much more you could do if every single person said, Whatever God wants me to do, I'm not saying no to it. I'm not going to say no and make excuses because I've learned the secret. The secret is, if I abide in Jesus, which, by the way, the night before he was crucified, one thing Jesus said was this. It's in John 15. I'm the vine. You're the branch. Without me, you can do nothing. That's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying the secret. And by the way, that's taught all through Scripture. I'll give you one example, but it's all through Scripture. Moses, in his own strength, said, I'll serve God. I'll deliver the people. He killed an Egyptian and in his own strength and did nothing. Made the problem worse, to be honest with you. But then at the burning bush, he realized he was nothing. God 
looked at him and said, you're right where I want you. You're exactly right. You can't do anything, Moses, in your own strength and wisdom and eloquence and education. But if you yield to me, I'll do what you could never do. And so we show up. So I'm always in this cycle. I'm fessing up. I'm showing up. And sometimes that's simultaneous. So sometimes I'm on the front row waiting to preach somewhere. And it may be an overwhelming assignment. I may be somewhere there's, you know, 500 teenagers somewhere. I'm, I'm thinking, you know, hey, some of these kids need to get saved. If I think about it too much, I'll think, Lord, what can I do? And I'll begin to fess up. Well, I can't do anything. But, Lord, you have a unique way. And this is how I speak. Lord, if you can use the jawbone of an ass, if you can use Balaam's donkey, Lord, if you can use, and I begin to list these things, Lord, if you can use these folks, surely you can also find a way to use me. So I'm fessing up and I'm showing up. And then the third thing is, you got to grow up. You got to grow up. You got to be the disciple that God wants you to be. You, your lips and your life needs to match. I don't just talk the talk. But I'm walking the walk. Now, let me tell you what happens if you don't grow up. And it happens all through many of our churches. If I don't grow up, what happens is, is I may be somewhere physically, and I look like I'm serving. But I'm not serving like I should be serving. For example, I heard someone the other day was in a church. I just overheard it. They weren't talking to me. I just overheard it. And the person was saying, you going to work in vacation Bible school? And the response was, seriously, I don't really want to, but the pastor keeps saying he's, he's desperate. I guess I'm going to serve. I drove home from that service. I was after the service. I drove home thinking, you know, if I had a, it, it, my son's grown, but if I had a child that was in third grade or first grade, or, I wouldn't want that person to teach him. I wouldn't want somebody to go there and say, well, I don't really want to teach this. It's a little message about Jesus, though, but I don't know what else to do. How would you feel if I showed up today and said, I've been doing this since I was 19, and I can't wait. Man, three services, you're killing me today. Let's get this thing over and go. You'd be like, how dare you? But there's people sitting here today listening to me, and your attitude on serving is, I don't really want the Greek, but they said they need somebody. So I grow up, and I'm serving God with a fervency. And we have something to serve to start with because when it comes to serving God, we look at serving God differently than any other thing. Give an example. Not too long ago, I was in a church for a couple, three weeks, and so I got to know some of the people. And uh, one Sunday, I heard a guy talking about his job. He works at Delta Airlines. And he made a statement about, man, I've been working about 20 hours a week overtime for the past three or four months, and this and that and the other, and talking about how busy he was. And, and the men who were listening and th th their spontaneous response was, praise God, man, you're making some money. Uh, that, was, that was, their, that was their, their spontaneous response. I mean, you work at Delta, you're getting 20 hours a week overtime, and th their mind's working. Man, that's, that paycheck looks good, I bet, every month. The next week, I heard someone overheard just say this to a group of two or three guys. Hey, y'all pray for me. Pastor asked me before we went on vacation to... Uh, Pray about being a deacon. And, and instantly, well, you better be careful. You've, you're already teaching Sunday school class, and you got this. In other words, and they use the term, you're going to burn out. And I drove home from church that day and thought, and I hear these things all the time. Isn't it interesting 
Nobody gave a word of advice about Delta. No one said, well, hey, overtime can be good, but be careful because 20 hours a week for too many weeks in a row of overtime is, is quite a bit of work. That's money. That's good. Man, get it while you can. But when it came to an assignment that God may or may not be leading him to do, but if God's in it, when it comes to that assignment, we instantly, I mean spontaneously, instead of amen, that's awesome, he would ask you, we instantly, be careful, you know, I'm going to burn out. Which, by the way, is not true anyway. I've been, I've been doing this for 35 years, however long it's been. I've never seen anybody burn out. It's a pretty good-sized church. When I, when I came here this morning, what if I walked in and, Walked over a body and looked at the staff and said, well, who's he? Uh, he burned out about two weeks ago and we just left him there. I've, I've, I've never seen that. I've just never seen it. And, and, and so in this cycle, I'm going to keep fessing up. And by the way, just popped in my mind, if I'm fessing up, sometimes I may physically be tired, but I'm going to burn out. Why? Because there's a promise in Isaiah 40 that says, those who serve the Lord, those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. It's a miracle. Uh, they, they'll, they'll soar like an eagle. They, they'll run and not grow tired and so on. So I'm going to fess up. Then I'm going to show up. But I'm also going to grow up. I'm going to do it with a great attitude. In other words, especially the type of stuff I do, there's times my assignment is, hey, there's going to be 3,000 people in that meeting. There's times my assignment is there may be 25 people in that meeting. And you approach it from the perspective of, Lord, it doesn't matter. I want to be mature enough to know that sometimes when all is said and done, more got accomplished with 30 people than they did with the 3,000 because you're a God who can do things with small beginnings. So I'm going to fess up. I'm going to show up. I'm going to grow up. It's a cycle. And, and, and you never, ever, I don't care if you live to be 100, you never, ever reach a stage where I don't have to grow anymore. Yeah, until you get to heaven, we got to grow I don't have to show up anymore. Yeah, there's something. If, if you, you know, as Billy Graham said, he got blind, close to 100 before he died. He said, can't do much of anything, but I can pray. Well, that's about, about the best thing you can do to start with. There's something we can do. We can show up to that place God's calling us to be. And I'm going to keep on fessing up. And then I'm going to look up. I'm going to look up to Jesus as the author and finisher of our faith. I'm, I'm going to run the race. You're going to run the race. But we're going to be looking to Jesus as the source of our strength. Now, wouldn't that make life more excited? Because what happens is, instead of just going to work tomorrow and driving there and thinking, well, it's another Monday, you drive there thinking, I wonder what God might have for me today. I, I wonder if I stop and get a cup of coffee, if there might be a gospel conversation that might take place i wonder if i pray enough if god might bring somebody to me today or tomorrow or this week that might just say hey man could you pray for my marriage or maybe somebody may come to me and say hey i just i just need to talk to somebody i just been feeling really empty and lonely and, and an opportunity to talk about jesus to somebody in other words it, it makes life exciting because all of a sudden you're a partner you're a servant you're a worker for god you're on mission with him and it's amazing what he can do in the marketplace. Let me say a couple things about this verse. As Paul says, any demand made upon my life is ultimately a demand made upon Jesus, who's living and reigning in me. Let me ask this. As a Christian, is that your response? In other words, any time through a sermon, 
anytime through a small group teaching, anytime just through your personal Bible reading, anytime you're convinced God's, t- God's telling me I'll do this, is your response like Paul? Yes. Can do. I can do all things through Christ. It doesn't matter if I don't have the money. It doesn't matter if I don't have the resource. It doesn't matter if I don't have the, 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 the wisdom. Nobody in Scripture did that either. David didn't have a PhD in killing giants. Noah had never built a ship like that before. Abraham had never been a dad before. In other words, the list goes on and on. He calls you not with your strength. He calls you in spite of your weakness. Normally, he calls us in the summer. We say, I don't have any experience as a missionary. That's why I want you. But I don't have any experience, and you fill the blank in. And he says, yeah, but I do. I can do it through you. I'm the great I am. And second question is this. For those who don't know Christ, isn't it an amazing concept? It's so positive to know this. It's possible that I can spend eternity with Jesus in heaven. Isn't that a great concept? If you ask Paul, hey, Paul, can, can a lost person go to heaven? You know what he's going to say? Can do. How do you do it? Your pastor says this all the time. Simple as ABC. You've got to admit that you're a sinner. By the way, that's fessing up. For all is sin and comes short of the glory of God. I grew up in church. joined the church when I was 14. Thought I was saved when I was 19, realizing a, what we called a revival meeting back then, realized, you know, I don't really know him like that. I don't really know him like this guy's talking about knowing him. And I want to ask you, do you know Jesus in a personal way? Is he really your Savior? Is he really your Lord? Not just somebody you know a lot of things about. Do you really know him? And then believe, believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross. He rose from the dead for our sin. He paid the price for us. So although I'm a sinner, there's hope because of what Jesus has done. And you take those two facts and you do this, you confess it. You, do, you call upon the name of the Lord and you confess that I'm a sinner. But you also confess, Lord, you're a Savior. And so I repent of my sins and ask you to come into my life. As we go into an invitation time, I'm going to encourage you. There will be some uh, staff members down front. If there's a decision you need to make, make that decision today. Altars are going to be open. You may be here and you may say, I, I, I don't have that attitude as a Christian that, that, that says, yes, I don't have that attitude that says can do. Why not? You can have it today. Or you may be here and say, you know, I have a lot of questions, a lot of doubts about my salvation. Or you may say, I don't have any doubt about it. I know I'm not saved. Why would you leave here today, as Joel often says, when it's as easy as ABC to know what to do? You just have to do it. Let's pray. Father, I come before you today. And, Lord, I I thank you and I love you. I thank you for such an amazing verse. It it just almost seems unbelievable, except we know you said it through Paul. It's the truth. Lord, you live in us, and there's nothing that you put on our life. There is no demand that we cannot say yes to because it is you that works through our life to overcome any obstacle and to do anything that you want done to expand your kingdom. I give you this invitation time, Lord. I pray for the person who's here who doesn't know you. Father, in their heart, they have all these doubts, and some of them don't have doubts. Some of them just, they know they don't know you. I pray, Lord, that 
they won't say no to you today. I pray that they would come and talk to one of our staff guys and just say, I'm just, I'm just not sure about heaven. And Lord, I pray for the many Christians here today who would say, you know, I know I'm a Christian. I know I made that decision. But I'm more of a can't-do person. I, I talk more negative than I do positive. I, I don't live in that cycle like I should, but I want to. I pray that you would help them to make a commitment that would bring honor and glory to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you, Steve, for that incredible message. And what a great reminder. I love that verse, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What an encouragement for us this morning and, and um, that whatever situation that you're going through, and whatever you're facing that seems or feels insurmountable, um, God will give us the strength to do what we need to do and to get through what we need to get through. And maybe you're listening this morning and you never put your faith and trust in Jesus. And um, it, it really is as simple as you understanding and acknowledging to God that you're a sinner and that you can't save yourself. Believing that Jesus died on the cross, that he was buried, and on the third day he rose again, conquering sin, death, and hell for you. And then confessing that to him. Uh, Romans 10 verse 9 and 10 says, If we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth, we will be saved. And if you've never done that this morning, there's no better time than today. It begins with you telling God this, Lord, I'm sorry for my sin. God, I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin. I admit that I'm a sinner. I believe that Jesus died on the cross, that he was buried, and on the third day he rose again, conquering sin, death, and hell for me. Lord, I ask you to come into my heart Take away my sin. Be my Savior. Lord, I give my life to you in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer for the very first time this morning, we, we want to connect with you and we want to celebrate with you. And so um, if you would click on the link that we've just dropped in the chat box that says, I commit my life to Christ. And um, we're going to connect with you. We're going to send you some information. Um, on what the next steps are for you in your faith journey with Jesus. It has been awesome to be together this morning. I'm thankful for our time together each and every week. God bless you, and we'll see you next week. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week as we help equip you to apply God's Word to your daily life. For the latest updates about what's happening around Peavine City, be sure to connect with us on social media. For more information about Peavine, to get in touch with us or check out one of our services, visit us at peavine.org. Thanks for listening. <music>